skies call. They seduce us, pulling us irresistibly upwards, reminding us to fly our own line, on our wings, and in life. We are the seekers, adventurers, being one with the air, feeling everything and nothing at once. That's the magic we chase. Follow the call. Find your pure wild flight with NZ Aerosports. Of course, I absolutely love the NZ Aerosports business model. I mean, come on. One glance at an Icarus fuck yeah sticker and you know it lines up perfectly with the fucking pilot mentality. But outside their wonderful use of colorful language and a great company vibe, there's a long list of reasons to say NZ Aerosports fuck yeah. NZ Aerosports blows me away right out of the gate as a canopy manufacturer with a bold offer. They give you 10 jumps on your brand new nylon to decide if you want to keep it, swap it out, or even return it for a refund. I mean, seriously, how incredible is that? That's like getting halfway through a prom and deciding you prefer the slightly racier date that goes down faster. Seriously, they do that. If you're not madly in love with your new canopy after 10 jumps, they'll let you swap it out for another size or model or even get your money back. And the range of canopies they've got? Man, they've got a style canopy to fit every jumper and every situation with models you know and trust, like the Sapphire 3, the perfect choice for the beginner or intermediate canopy pilot. The Crossfire 3, when you're ready to kick it up that elliptical notch. The JFX 2, if you're looking to up your new swoop game. The Leia, as the workhorse and dirt water dirt beast. Or the Petra. The Petra cranks out crazy power and is nothing short of a record breaker. But hey, it's not always about speed either. Take the Kraken. Built as a low pack volume canopy, specifically with wingsuiting in mind, she gives you all the performance you're looking for with the reliability you need that'll have you itching for that next formation, rodeo, or puffy cloud. So, the equipment is top-of-the-line kick-ass stuff, as you already know, but how about the team? Well, the customer service gang is there to sort you out whenever you need them. Maddie and Beto are always there to help with Jen holding the reins. They're available for you at sales at nzaerosports.com, and they've got a kick-ass live chat tool on the website if you're wanting to hit someone up right away. These are the crew you're going to want to talk to to get those custom orders in. With the stock nylon, once you know what you want, they'll have that shit on a FedEx truck as soon as the credit card machine says approved and get you in the air in no time. For your custom orders, you'll be able to get a time frame for building and shipping when you design it, so get to it. And demos. They've got demos in the U.S. available from their partner Rock Sky Market. The whole U.S. demo fleet is there with Sapphire 3, Crossfire 3, Kraken, JFX2, and Leia canopies in a range of sizes. They also offer student and tandem demos in the U.S. Bottom line, every step of the way, NZ Aerosports is there to get you what you need, and I personally couldn't be happier to be teamed up with them here on Lunatic Fringe. And now, time to get started with Lunatic Fringe Into the Void, brought to you proudly by NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah! Coming straight from the cockpit, it's another episode of Lunatic Fringe with the fucking pilot. Ready, set, go! Back in the can for another uh, early morning edition for this guy. Early morning edition of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void. And, I mean, I know you just woke up and got out of bed. And like I said, pre-podcast, you gave me the excuse to start day drinking. So, cheers. And who the fuck are you and what do you do? <laughs> hey, cheers, Dean. Uh, my name's Blaine Moeller. I'm a professional skydiving instructor. 
I work as a mostly a tandem instructor, uh, but I also feel, do some AFF. So if you want to learn to jump on your own, I could teach you to do that, or I could film you. I still wear a helmet camera and I jump out of airplanes for a living. Nice, nice. We got another molar in the house, man. I had the opportunity to just talk to your brother not that long ago. I apologize for that. Right? No, man, I loved it. I loved it. Although I got to ask, so you're still shooting video, but you have a neck that you have to worry about risking. He doesn't have a neck. So no, brother, he's always gotten into trouble. Uh, even when he was a young kid, and even from elementary school, he had a problem with no neck. And uh, of course, being who he was with no neck, he got ridiculed from elementary school to high school. And he had to go to the principal's office so many times for getting in fights and stuff. Oh, gosh, yeah, the no-neck molar is Brian Moeller, and that's my brother and everybody. If you know a no-neck, that's probably him. Well, you know, the funny thing about Brian is he got so sharp with his uh, his insults and so subliminal with them. He can say the worst shit about you ever, and you don't know that you've just been insulted, and you just sit there nodding and smiling, and he'll fuck with everybody, man. He's fantastic. His, wits, his humor's, yeah, keep his going, humor's keep... kind of dry in one aspect. Yeah, oh, yeah, his, but... his humor's dry, and uh, he's... He's, he's, he's got that tact. Yes. <laughs> which is, which is awesome. I mean, the whole, I, I was lucky enough that when I started out my skydiving experience, I was almost immediately introduced to the Moeller family. Um, but that we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about you. So how did you get your start in skydiving or how did the family get their start? And how did you start doing like extreme stuff? Big stuff and doing weird things and just like, uh, definitely have to do that. Uh, even though uh, growing up, that brother, brother we were talking about, when we were doing the BMX stuff, I was always the first one to go off the ramp. Sure. Hey, let's go test this new ramp. Blaine goes first. That day, and he's like, who's going first? And I just immediately pointed, he's older, he's going first. So uh, <laughs> a few years later, um, uh, decided to, was having some other issues in life and had lost my job and crashed my car all in the same weekend. And the only opportunity I had was to live at the drop zone and start working as a packer. So I came up from a packer and worked as a packer for many, many years. Uh, at that time, hey, you remember those uh, high eight videos? Oh, yeah, yeah, it was before high eight. I think we were still shooting on super eight. So the cameras were quite a bit smaller. And after about five, six years of packing, I finally got to put a camera on my head and the sport just exploded from there. Right. I mean, yeah, I mean, you, you got started a bit before me, obviously. And, and, uh, by the time I came in, the, the cameras were what you and I would think of as smaller, but they were fucking massive, man. Oh, compared to today. Yes. Jeez. Oh my God. I don't know how we serve. Well, I mean, I know how I survived that. I just had a massive surgery to fix it, but I mean, fuck me. These things were bricks on top of your head. Yeah. I mean, it's, if, if anybody watching this podcast can remember what a VHS tape used to look like, those cameras we started on was a VHS-C, so the entire camera was about four stacks of those VHS tapes. And yes. the camera that went inside of it was, I mean, was half the thing was the damn tape. Oh, yeah. Well, and you remember, too, you'd shoot the video, and then when you wanted to change tapes, you had to remove all the gaff tape that you put all over the camera to keep the tape from fluttering all over the place. Otherwise, you wouldn't have good video. <laughs> Correct. Correct. Yeah. The, the tapes had just a massive amounts of gap for tape on them or <laughs> every helmet was an experiment that every person had their own customized helmet. You couldn't buy a cool tone fly and a couple of GoPros and just, Oh no. Everything was a, was a customized project. And one, the cameras definitely were not compatible with one-to-one -one helmet to helmet. 
No, God no. So we we were talking about the helmets and the fact that they were massive and stuff. And you start shooting, you started shooting video super early in your career. What drop zone was this at? Uh, this was at uh, the oh geez, now I'm even confused as between which one was my brother's and which one was uh was uh, Michael Hawks's. Oh, well, um, Hawks was shooting. Hawks was up in in uh, um, Boulder City. Yes, yes, yes. But one was Skydive Las Vegas, and the other one was the Las Vegas Skydiving Center. And after 25 years later, I've kind of confused on which one was which. <laughs> well, now but, you you guys were out of North Las Vegas, yeah? Yeah, we started at North Las Vegas, but I didn't start shooting video until after a few years later when once we had moved out to Gene. Okay. When Las Vegas, the North Las Vegas airport had just, uh, the city had grown up and the housing had encroached too much around our landing area and we had to move out to Gene. At that point's when I did the crossover from uh, being a packer to a video person. Well, now, so you were jumping quite a bit when you were in North Las Vegas, though, just as oh, a, as still a fun jumping. Jump. Yeah, jumping. But um, uh, brother AJ, he wouldn't let me put one of those big, massive camera cameras on. Um, he I'd get 200 jumps. And, hey, can I do a camera? Can I practice video? No, go get another 100 jumps. And really? That went on. So, yeah, I, he didn't let me t- put a camera on till about just over 500 jumps. Holy shit. So that actually <laughs> shocks me because clearly that says that AJ didn't give a fuck about anybody else. Cause that motherfucker had me shooting video for him when I had less than 50 jumps. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So that's where I was kind of really surprised about that, but I was also, uh, I might've been influenced or some, some of my skydiving, um, Let's face it, I probably wasn't the most sober person back then. I mean, if you remember how skinny I was, some of my nightly activities oh, probably yeah. drained over the next day. And, uh, yeah, I didn't always make the best decision. I think AJ uh, knew that and saw that. And I, my flying style was described as a ballistic missile on steroids. <laughs> so uh, I think I don't think it was the jump numbers. I think it was uh, the, the frame of mind that he, uh, he didn't want me to put a camera on. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Well, and I mean, come on, he was your brother. So of course he's looking out for you. Yeah. 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 That too. That too. (laughs) Now, when, when you were up in North Las Vegas, were you there when the whole war was going on between uh, you guys and, and uh, Hawks? Um, No, no. Um, Cause Brian and I both made our first jump on the same day, but he got active into it right away. I still, I still didn't get into it till a few years later. And when I came around to work as a packer and crashed that car and lost my job in that same weekend, a lot of that crazy Michael Hawk stuff and him having to crawl away. I'd heard about it, but I wasn't there and active at that time. Oh man. I, I mean, I heard that all that stuff as well. And I think probably oh, the yeah, first it, was time... it was hilarious to hear about. Oh my God. Yes. Especially after I'd been working um, for him for quite some time and, and knew the real him. And then that was just the juiciest story I'd ever heard. I fucking loved it. Now, yeah. um, <laughs> In North Las Vegas, you and I would have met in North Las Vegas when you were packing, but it was so long ago because I only jumped there a few times, uh, and I ended up, um, I was super low time. I think I had 25 jumps the first time I jumped in North Las Vegas, and they rented me one of the old flying Elvi rigs. You remember those things? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Oh, it's, they're, 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 yeah, those solid white rigs. Oh, yep. geez, those were the student rigs. Those were the, those were the same rigs that I learned on. Yep. Fucking uh, hell. I came back, yeah, those were <clears throat> I landed <clears throat> those uh, rigs. Those, no, go please those go ahead. Weren't the best even for Hollywood movie rigs, <laughs> right? What's that? Yeah, you were saying about the movie. They weren't even the best for the movie. No, well, I mean they were state of the art at the time, but I uh, they were just they were kind of put together on a quick on a whim for the movie, solid white, and you know those guys could were capable of a lot different parachutes for the movie. Those had I mean they were two eighty eight man 
Atlantas and laid out of F-111 material. Right. And so they later on, those rigs made great student rigs, but uh, uh, God, they were just, they were junky and not even that great, even brand new for the movie. Well, and the AADs they had on them, I still to this day don't know how to set one of those things because it was that big old brick that was strapped to your hip. Oh, okay. <laughs> no idea how that shit works. Yeah, I, I became a rigger was one of the first ratings I ever got. I got my rigger's license at 21. So I got really, really very familiar with the gear early on. Mm. And yeah, I remember those AADs. And unfortunately, no, I still know how to turn those on. And every once in a while, believe it or not, I'll still see one. Oh, Jesus. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Holy fuck, man. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that's the same thing as the guys that want to occasionally go out and jump the round to remember what it was like. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I never will understand that. You know, it's really, really cool and awesome to go drive a classic car. You know, it's just not that cool to jump classic parachute gear. Yeah, no, 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 no. There's, There's a reason that uh, it, it's gotten safer for a reason. Now, starting out in North Las Vegas and doing a lot of jumping there, man, that was an interesting place to jump just because you were surrounded by neighborhoods. I mean, did you have any weird landings and off stuff that happened? Uh, um, not necessarily landing off. Uh, definitely when we had to go chase a couple mains, um, strolling through backyards, uh, getting chased by dogs. The neighbors were always pretty nice, but the the neighborhood uh, the neighborhood dogs didn't like us too much. Yeah, for <laughs> sure, for sure. Well, 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 I I Dogs were just doing their job, you know, some stranger jumping through their backyard. Right, right. I but, remember uh, landing yeah. off on one jump there, and I had a um, a borrowed RW suit, and it was all white with purple and pink grippers, and I landed off in the middle of a neighborhood in North Las Vegas <laughs> and was strolling around with an all-white rig. I don't know what color the parachute was in a tight white jumpsuit thinking, I'm going to get fucking shot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. North Las Vegas wasn't the best neighborhood to be right around that uh, uh anywhere anywhere outside of the right, drop zone. Right. Yeah, that was that'd be funny. I remember one one day Jake's looking for a main parachute and he jumps over this wall. I mean, in in about half of a second, he's back on this side of the wall and his face is just pale white. And we're like, what 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 you didn't have a chance to look for that quick and his face just so white, but all he could say was dog, white teeth. <laughs> big big dog white teeth oh man well it so must have was, it must have been such a relief when you guys got to go out to to gene finally um it was a relief and because i at Los las vegas i was the bus driver and um they kept moving the landing area farther out farther out to where my bus driving uh to back to shuttle back and forth to pick up loads was getting farther and farther drive and um uh at gene we were fixed at that five miles away so it was was much less of a bus driving for me. So yeah, that was, it was a relief in that aspect. Well, and you guys were the first ones that uh, uh, you were set up on the drop zone. And I remember uh, you had the trailer that was just off the grass in Gene as well, which was super cool. That was super cool. That was super nice. Um, that grass, uh, never going to say how many times that grass was landed on, but there were several times without permission because our landing area was supposed to be five miles south. But uh, maybe maybe there might have been some activities that happened after night to where that grass got landed on pretty often. Sure. Well, you know what? I never understood what the reason for keeping the landing area so far away on Gene was because it wasn't an exactly heavily used airport. 
that was that was just politics at the airport. I'm not really sure why either. Um, uh, they are currently landing on the airport now. It's only taken 18 years <laughs> to move that landing area to where it probably should have been this long, this or this where it should have been from the first place. But that's where they're at now. Sure. Well, I mean, I started jumping there shortly after you guys opened. That's when uh, uh, AJ put me to work uh, almost right away. And I think he only did it because I was in the wind tunnel as well. So he knew I'd get the video. (laughs) He just wasn't sure about the rest of it. (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, these can't be skills had a lot to be desired. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, I mean, he was such a character anyway, though. I mean, some of the stuff that went on when he was running that place, um, suffice it to say, there were a couple of uh, what did they call them? Bandit jumps out of that King Air that they were running for a little while. Yeah, again, those are those are some of those jumps. I don't maybe don't want to mention too much that we were probably landing on the grass in the front of that trailer that we weren't supposed to. Right. <laughs> well, I had one. There um, was. Um, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to mention how much uh, how much alcohol was definitely not consumed before any of those bandit jumps. <laughs> nor do I want to mention the time of day or past dark that those bandit jumps might have happened. Right. Right. Well, we did uh, one that I was probably, a part of. It probably didn't happen almost every Saturday. Of course not. Something like that would never be done. I never would have done a high altitude tandem with Kevin Love shooting video for a a firefighter slash tandem instructor uh, rolling out of the plane at a little over 18,000 feet. Yeah, definitely. Right, right. Oh, my God. That was it was a unique time in Vegas, wasn't it? It was a very unique time in Vegas. Yeah. And and, um you know, I'm, I'm glad that I lived through it and you got, it was, it was, it just got wild and, and we were pretty crazy and, and we were pushing the envelopes of what we shouldn't, shouldn't have been doing for sure. Sure. Um, and yeah, it's, it's makes for great stories and great memories and, uh, geez, I'm glad I lived through it. Right. Well, I mean, we had a couple of, I remember a couple of boogies where we were landing on the opposite side of I-15, but I mean, we were throwing fucking inflatable rafts and shit out over the highway the huge highway that goes into vegas it was so much fun yeah so now how long were you uh because i know that uh, um actually I, do, I don't know how you guys ended up not working in gene anymore how did the drop zone end um the drop zone ended pretty much so you know aj was quite the character um and he was kind of butting heads with airport management mm-hmm. um they didn't they didn't really like airport uh skydivers period being at the drop zone and you know even to this day uh skydivers around the aviation community they kind of still look at us as the scuzzy bikers in the aviation community we're not really you know it's we're not always well respected uh even to this day well aj would show up to the county meetings and they just he'd wanted to land on the airport and he'd kind of demand different things with the county airport manager and he'd show up with maybe a little beer on his breath and he'd show up in a skydiving outfit that he's been jumping in all day, which was some short shorts, a, a T-shirt with one sleeve was so old that literally fallen off. And the other sleeve, he just tied the T-shirt together to help to make it a shirt. So it's staying on his shoulder. And, you know, he's telling the airport, you know, you can't do this to me. The FAA, it's a county funded airport. The FAA has these laws and, and regulations that you can't treat me like this. And they said, you know what? You're right. But we don't have to sell you any fuel. So he kind of ended up half getting kicked off the airport in that aspect that he just wasn't the best business manager and he wasn't able to keep the business there because, uh, because of the head butting between and the politics side of a, a business on a, on a federal airport. 
Yeah, fair enough. I mean, he definitely, uh, if you if you didn't know AJ, he was the type that if you saw him in a, a brawly biker bar, he'd be the one guy you made sure not to fuck with. <laughs> right? He was, well, well, he was the big scuzzy biker in the first place, and he just loved skydiving as well. Right, right. You know, it's funny. I'm sitting here as we speak, uh, tacked up on my studio wall is a shirt that I've had with me now for 25 fucking years. And on the back of it is a big, beautiful, faded ass logo that says Outlaw Skydiving. Yeah, I'm not sure if you remember the last time we actually saw each other was at Lodi Skydiving. And you were, yep. you were mentioning um, you're, you hadn't, didn't have a new Outlaw shirt. Yep. And I actually took the shirt off my back and gave it to you because yeah. uh, I have several still. You sure <laughs> as hell did because that one I still wear to this day. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, man. To this day. Because, yeah, I've got the the one that's hanging up on the wall was one given to me by AJ when I started shooting video there because, of course, he wanted me to represent. And, and it started out black with the blue and white and all that. And now it is as faded gray as it can possibly get. And it's going to go with me everywhere. Nice. nice. Yeah, well, yeah. it's 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 a shirt and probably about that quality that AJ would show up to those business meetings in. And uh, you know, <laughs> hence why he's why he wasn't the best businessman. Yeah, but it was fun, right? I mean, as soon as you oh, realized always... as soon as you realized he wasn't gonna strangle you for saying something stupid, he was just gonna make fun of you, then it was so much fun. Well, that's the thing. He wasn't gonna strangle you guys, but we were family. He might have strangled us. <laughs> <laughs> so we kind of, we kind of had to watch it i remember one time oh geez this poor aff kid he landed on the other side of the freeway and we're on the bus trying to get out there to pick him up and he's walking the wrong way down a fence line and the fence line the road doesn't get to the to where the kid can get so it takes us a while to pick this guy up and aj is just being aj and just going off on him just you dumb mother son of a fucking ass <laughs> the people on the bus are kind of laughing. It's like, oh, that sucks for that kid. And me and Jake are just like, man, that sucks. We've been that guy. Right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not that much fun what he's doing right now. Yeah. And yeah. It, was only, it was only his first jump. So, I mean, he's, he's doing the best he could. He's, he's kind of nervous, you know? And lands, I, I mean, he's probably already beating himself up because he landed on the wrong side of the damn highway. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the crazy yeah, thing about I, Gene, right? I mean, you're teaching people how to skydive over I-15, which is that's fucking hardcore. Yeah, and you gotta you gotta recognize that there's all this flat desert out there, and there's this big major freeway right through the middle of it, and you can see it clear as day. Here's the freeway, but your landing area is just this tiny little section of graded desert that looks exactly like all the rest of the desert. Yep. So like it's it's really easy to get confused on which direction was going on out there because oh, all yeah. the desert is the same. You just got this giant road in the middle of it. And that, yeah, it, got. it was difficult to learn where the hell you were going. That was even as an experienced skydiver. And then, of course, if you're learning in some place like that, let's face it, the conditions in Las Vegas are fucking challenging on the best days. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a sketchy place to jump. It's it's a sketchy place to jump, especially later afternoon. You know how the winds get out there, yeah. And it's uh, and trying to get guests or or students out there at seven o'clock in the morning in a town like Vegas is is almost right. impossible and unheard of because they're not morning people and up doing this. Sure. Well, that's the thing too. Is I mean, Vegas did not exactly. It, it's a different story, I think, if you're in a small town and the only thing for a bunch of jumpers to do when the season's going is to go jump and hang out at the drop zone. But it's not like Las Vegas lacks in trouble to get into. 
Not at all. Not at all. I mean, you, so were you born and raised in Vegas? Yes, born and grew up in Vegas. Both parents are are farmers' children, so they're from you know Midwest Nebraska area. And yeah, dad was quite the engineer and worked a lot of different construction jobs and ended up himself as a, as an operating engineer in Caesar's Palace in the in the early or late sixties, early seventies. And Brian was born in Nebraska only because uh, dad was building a new house for all the kids. Uh, where I was born, most of most of the Moeller family was born in Las Vegas. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And if, if we were not born in Las Vegas, it's mostly because uh, the, the house was in the middle of construction and not livable at the time to where dad had to ship mom off somewhere else for uh, for delivery. Wow. Wow. I mean, in Vegas as a town to grow up and has got to be a fucking trip no matter what. But especially if by the time you started jumping for a living, you're trying to balance a job that requires you to be at the drop zone basically with the sun and keep going until sunset. And then you still drive back into fucking Vegas. I mean, holy shit, that's tough to balance. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's it's it. I wasn't very good at balancing it again. uh, Some of those nightly activities. uh, Right. Again, I mentioned how skinny I was and some series of poor decisions. Sure. Uh, (laughs) Well, I mean, I was lucky in that when you and I met and the entire time I lived in Las Vegas, I did not drink alcohol at all. Uh, But it was only because I'd been going overboard with everything else uh, in San Francisco just a couple of years before I moved there. So by the time I got to Vegas, I was like, oh, thank fuck. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I've read your book. I know how partied out you were by that time. Exactly. Yeah, dude. I was fucking fried. By the time I got to Las Vegas, I'm like, oh, please just leave me alone. Uh, So the skydiving was like the perfect fit, except I was still working in the club and I'd have to dance till four o'clock in the morning and then go to the drop zone. Yeah. Yeah. That that was rough. That was rough. Well, so how long, when did you finally decide uh, enough of Vegas? It's time for me to move on. And when did you really start cranking out, uh, getting the ratings and everything for skydiving? Um, it was, it was probably, oh, geez, uh, probably right around 1995, 96. I decided that I didn't need that, uh, that chemical stimulant to help me get through the day and through the night and keep sure. going and going and going. So, and I, I knew there was no way I was going to get off that chemical stimulant uh, if I stayed in Vegas. So I ended up moving to skydive Miami and uh, started just shooting a crap ton of video there and was there for five years. Um, by the time I left there, I was, uh, had, five six thousand tandem videos after that many years and had had a brand new tandem rating so i thought and that's moved right back to vegas (laughs) and went to work and went to work for just with everything that was going on there but it was uh skydive miami and sobriety right around 1996 nice uh, turned it around now how was it moving back to vegas after all those years away and coming back to kind of the fucking seed of evil and you're clean and sober us, it was it's a whole new different experience. Uh, you can enjoy the skydiving a lot better. Um, it's, and uh, don't just, I enjoyed it in the first place, but um, you just got to enjoy it a lot better. Mm. You got to experience the town a lot better. Um, it's it's a, a whole new experience. Is coming home and a clean and sober thing. It's even after five years of clean and sober, it was kind of nice to. It was. Hold is visceral, man. I can't even explain it. Sure. No, no, no. I I mean, I I totally get it. I just can't imagine going back into the belly of the beast because it's not like um, you had issues, you know, somewhere in the Midwest. You had issues in Vegas and in Vegas. Jesus, man, you can trip over a fucking bag of Coke walking down the street. It's it's you've got a kind of you've got everything available there. But I mean, if if you want to stay away from it, it's pretty easy to stay away from as well. 
Sure, fair enough. I you mean, can find anything, you can find anything you want, but like you said, you could trip over a bag of coke, and you could also keep walking. Yes, well, and but I'll tell you what, man, my hat's off to you, and and seriously, congratulations for being able to go. All right, that's enough. It's time, and stick to it because that's pretty yeah. badass, man. I mean, that that's yeah. it's it an incredibly hard battle. Yeah, it was recognizing that I wasn't going to be able to do it is one of the big things, and that's why I just had to leave vegas um i'm not sure if you remember nephew jake he was kind of in some of the same battle but he sure. did manage to get through it and uh he he stayed in vegas with if you want to put him on your podcast one of these times he's another good one that can tell oh, a lot of great stories dude i'd like the entire molar clan are you kidding me <laughs> <laughs> it's i try and explain and it's very difficult to explain if you weren't back there at, the, at that time during skydiving but vegas was still very much the wild west you know i mean the two drop zones kind of had their little niche but kind of anything went at that time and uh, um the the molar family was like central to the holy shit <laughs> this is this shit's going off and everybody knew aj and everybody knew you both you know all the all the brothers and and uh it was it was a fucking wild time it really was yeah and in, in the time while i was in miami i mean aj had got kicked off of gene um uh another person had opened it up um, unfortunately, right around that time is when AJ passed sure. uh, on his accident. There was not skydiving related. Right. Um, and I came back and, and Brian and I had been working. Brian was working for the guy that uh, Michael Hawk sold it to. Yep. So I tried some construction, but uh, that's, uh, you know, let's face it. My real true love was skydiving. So the construction job didn't last. Sure. And when they were calling me to come do tandem, so I, the construction job failed and, and here I am still skydiving. Right. I mean, dude, honestly, if I look back at um, everything that's gone on, if it weren't for a few key uh, uh, opportunities and a few key figures in my life, I would not have had anywhere near the wonderful, bizarre life that I've had. And AJ was certainly <laughs> like tops on the list because he was the first one that was like, yeah, fuck it. Put a camera on your head. Let's see if you can shoot video. If yeah. it hadn't been for that, it probably never would have crossed my mind. <laughs> It probably never would have. So now you're not in Vegas anymore, though. You're you've done quite a bit of bouncing around and, and working doing with all your ratings. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Um, it's been let's see. I've been in the RV lifestyle for probably about seven years now. Nice. Um, got got to Vegas, was there for a few years, went to northern Nevada and the Tahoe area. And hey, it's beautiful up there. If you ever get the chance to jump anywhere close around close to Lake Tahoe, it is gorgeous. Mm -hmm. Um uh, from there, I moved over to the Lodi area where I met my current wife slash girlfriend approximately <laughs> 10 years ago. And we've been in the RV lifestyle for about the last nine years. And yeah, we bounce around from, we do a couple seasons here, a couple seasons there. We've been way out east to Long Island, um, northern Midwest, uh, I guess, uh, Wisconsin. And we are currently in the Chicago Land Skydiving Center. Nice, nice. I mean, I, I tell you what, I'm envious. Obviously, as a, as a pilot, it's a little bit more difficult to bounce from. I mean, I suppose you could bounce from job to job, but once you've got a good gig, especially flying my favorite kind of plane, which is an otter, you generally trying to oh, hang yeah, on to it. Definitely. Oh, I fucking love it. But I got to admit, there's a big part of me that's jealous of being able to go, nope, fuck it. We're going to live in this part of the world now. Or we're going to go here or go there. I mean, it's got to be some some serious freedom to it, especially if your partner's into it. Yeah, it it does give us the freedom. We love the wheels. Um, when you're traveling like that, you'll you'll 
get to a drop zone that maybe isn't the best fit. And it really sucks being stuck there if you're, if it's not the best place. So being on wheels, we can just say, screw it. We're out of here. We'll go find a new place to live. And it only takes us a couple hours up and go. Isn't that cool? uh, Yeah. 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 And it also gives you, you can see the best of both worlds. We can be up Northwest or in the Northern area and experience this uh, uh, super hot, super nice summers. And when it starts to get too cold, uh, we just start heading South. Sure. Sure. Well, and I mean, a lot of jumpers, I did that to some degree. Uh, you'd, in fact, when I was working for Chicagoland, uh, I would not obviously work the winters there and I would take the plane uh, and to different parts of the country. And of course I had a bunch of fucking misadventures with that, uh, but it was still, it was, <laughs> it was great to be able to run away from the cold and you have this eternal summer going on, which does not suck. No, it doesn't suck. It doesn't suck. So, and and we we still picked up winter sports though, so we love we love the we love the uh, warm winters down south. But then we'll still do some places where we go skiing, and we still have to take our ski vacations. Oh God, yes, absolutely. I'm jealous of that, man. I haven't seen snow. Well, I, I saw snow a couple of years ago, but uh, it wasn't to go skiing or anything like that. So I'm definitely jealous. <laughs> now, um, does the wife work in the sport as well? Yes, she is also a tandem instructor. She's one of what less than 200 tandem instructors at USPA has registered. Uh, but she's a full time TI, um, also shoots outside video and is an AFF instructor as well. Fucking hell, man. She's a rock star as well. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. You know, it's, it's kind of funny yeah, and, only- and I'm not sure how you feel about it, but uh, I've had a lot of people ask because half of the people only know me as a pilot anymore. They don't know me as a jumper. Uh, and when I do talk about my jumping, I'll tell people that my favorite way to skydive turned out to be of all things tandems. Uh, I just loved being able to give that experience to people, but for you, what's, what's the perfect way for you? Um, uh, you know, it is, it is a tandem curse, uh, that I still really, really love doing tandems as well. Um, uh, it's one of my favorite things. I still have the most jumps doing it. Uh, I do still love outside video because I get to, I get to fly my own parachute, Sure. but there's a glow, there's a glow that comes with AFF. I mean, there's AFF is a lot of work. You're, you're challenging the student. You're putting a lot more time in. It doesn't really pay that well, but when you see it, when you got that student and they're struggling with something and then they finally get it and they nail it and you see that rainbow on their face and that glow. And it's like, they're where they're where their face goes from stress to, I just got it. That one's pretty awesome too. I just, I kind of still love all of it. It's a, it's a tandems are, are where they usually put me, but I still love doing flipping all of it. You know, that's the thing too, right? I mean, um, the whole instructor side of things was always the most fun for me. Um, the tandems, because I mean, I hate to say it, but tandems turned out to be the easiest, funnest way to do it. A tandems, once you're a, a <laughs> you know, a qualified tandem instructor, there's pretty much a script that you can go by and, and it's not too often that a jump goes outside of what you're expecting, but AFF was super rewarding, but fuck me. Could it get scary? <laughs> I mean, Jesus. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's the rewarding part that comes with it though. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, no. And I completely and, agree. And with, yeah. And with, with the modern training tools, if you can get a student out there that's done just a couple minutes of tunnel time, uh, it takes away a lot of that scariness. Oh yeah. And oh, a lot yeah. of that, uh, roll the dice, uh, a lot of that unexpected of what a student can and, and potentially going to do just, uh, take advantage of the modern training tools, which, uh, is kind of a funny thing after, after 30 some odd years of skydiving and 20 years as a professional, uh, my wife and I in the last year have now built up to about 12 hours of tunnel time. <laughs> <laughs> I've decided to become a tunnel rat in the last little bit. 
you know, I'll tell you what, it's kind of funny because, of course, I started my whole career flying in the Vegas Tunnel and working for the Vegas Tunnel. But anybody that knows tunnels knows that it's an amusement ride. It's a fuckload of fun, but it's not a modern tunnel. And then I went and got in a modern tunnel and discovered just how bad I suck. <laughs> right. Which is wonderful, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but I actually, I find it thoroughly entertaining and hilarious that a 12-year-old kid can go outfly me, not by a little bit, but by a fucking lot in the tunnel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I love it. I think it's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous how quick these kids pick up on it. And it's like, you want to just, you want to just push them down or as you're walking out of the tunnel, kind of an elbow to the face or something like that. Right. But yeah, those little plastic kids, you hate how good they get at it. And I've got 30 years of, of bad skydiving experience. I've got to break off when I get in there. Yeah. The damn tunnels, I call it the humble machine. Oh yeah. But the wife and I decided a while back, we're, we're tired of being these full-time instructors that, 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 that the instructor curse is when you when you're a full-time instructor you don't go fun jump when you do well your fun jumping skills really aren't too high anymore because you're yep. stuck doing tandems or aff or something else all the time and you don't want to go wreck somebody else's jump because they're, they're they're on the weekend and then it's just a snowball effect the more you don't jump the more your skills get lower and everybody Absolutely. else around you their skills keep getting higher and higher so that's where that's the reason we decided to quit doing that we're taking advantage of the tunnel so Dude, that when that's... we do go punch up on the weekend we don't suck so bad that's fucking awesome. I mean, it was, uh, I, I like to say I had quit skydiving and, and uh, started flying full time and I would do tandems on the side and stuff. But of course I was so busy flying or occasionally chucking drogues that fun jumping didn't exist. And then I stopped doing all of that and was just flying and decided, you know, something, I think I'll go be a fun jumper again. Cause a buddy of mine asked me to go out and make a jump and the idea of skydiving made me nervous. And I went, Oh shit, I think it might be time to go jump again. <laughs> And went out and just became a shitty fun jumper, having a blast, you know, not being particularly good at anything, which was just entertaining. Right, right. So much fun. And then, of course, you get to go back and, and um, for you, continue the instructing. But I'm super stoked that you've taken the time now, especially in the tunnel, which I believe you're close to now, to start digging in all those skills. Yes. Now, yeah, how, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, it's, I call it the humble machine because if, if, uh, if you go in there as a beginner, you can learn, you, you learn proper form and proper technique where I've got 30 years of, of bad skydiving experience to, to, to kick off before I can become a, a very good tunnel rat at all. Oh, yeah. No, you've got to unlearn everything before you can graduate to sucking before <laughs> you start to get better. Yeah, you come to find out it's like just because you were flying, just because you were falling in a head down position doesn't mean you were flying. Right. Yeah. You were only sitting in a chair. That wasn't sit flying. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Well, and using an amazing amount of airspace to do what you thought was going straight down. Yeah. 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 And no. it's, it's funny. Our, our tunnel coach is literally half my age. <laughs> well, you, uh, we had oh. talked uh, pre-podcast and you said uh, one of the shows that you had listened to was talking to Ray Kubiak, who, of course, we both know from the Vegas tunnel, who went on to become ultimate ninja in the tunnel. Yeah, he's if if you're any time in the tunnel, you need to gotta know Kubiak. And if you don't, well, you haven't been in the tunnel very much. But yeah, he is the tunnel ninja. Oh yeah, he's probably got the still has the most hours of anybody on the planet. I mean, yeah, he's still a full time tunnel coach, I believe. Yep, yep, and loves and, it uh, as much today as he did when he started. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's kind of a curse because uh, I know I know he he got out of the tunnel and he went to work and was flying outside video for a while and became a fairly good canopy pilot. Mm. which isn't very standard for most uh most uh, tunnel cat rats right. and tunnel people 
right. uh, where he actually got down to where he was jumping a relatively small parachute. But I'll bet you he has he's not ready to do that anytime close or soon. Yeah, right. I think he's jumping several years. Yeah, no, I know. It's it's well, and he's so damn good in the tunnel. He still comes up with the most insane shit. Although the funny thing, especially now, is knowing that Ray is like an old guy. He's like OG tunnel now. He's <laughs> which is insane because to me he's still a fucking kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, oh. to me we're all still kids, right? Dude, I how hard? I might have got older, but I never grew up. How hard is that for you? Because I know for me it's insane because when I wake up in the morning, my head tells me I'm 18, but everything else tells me I'm 52. Uh, well, I didn't go to the gym too much as a younger kid, and I didn't go to the gym too much through my 30s. And I probably should have went a lot more through my 40s, and I'm figuring out here in my late 40s that uh, if, I want to, if I want to physically keep up with these kids – I need to hit the gym a little more often. Sure. And that's pretty much all it is, is just need to hit the gym a little more. I mean, it's, it, I'll tell you what, I, I was lucky enough that I got into the habit of hit, doing the gym a long, long time ago. And if it makes you feel any better, I still can't fucking keep up with them. And I've been doing the gym shit for most of my life. Ah. <laughs> but it, you'll, you'll still feel better. I guarantee it, but they're going to run circles oh, yeah. around us. There's nothing we can know. do. You just have to keep that mental attitude about it. There's no way these, these kids still can't keep up with me. I mean, they might be able to do a cooler trick, but uh, I'll still be able to do it smoother, faster. I'm not sure. I don't know. Some way I'm going to talk my way into being better than them. Right, right. Which is, <laughs> I mean, come on. That's just, we're, we're, uh, um, that's the the one joke about the the two bulls on top of the hill looking down at the herd of of cows and the right. young one wants to run down and nail them all and the the old one says no let's stro or no, nail one of them and the old one down. says let's just walk oh. down and nail them all. <laughs> it's well, the same one, thing. One thing AJ always one thing AJ always quoted that was a good one that I'll steal from him was you know old age and treachery will overcome youth and skill every time. <laughs> every time. That's the benefit to being the old fucker is chances are whatever trick they're going to try and pull we've seen quite a few times. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's kind of benefit being the old fucker around the drop zone now cuz now you could say you could say old man perverted things and and now they just people just laugh and giggle with you instead of uh, try to have you arrested. Right. Like, well, that's oh, the, grandpa, grandpa said something funny. <laughs> that's the other thing that uh, that we have the benefit of is our generation of skydivers. Um, the whole political correctness and all that stuff hadn't happened yet. And so when we were on the drop zone, it was the most inappropriate, fucked up shit all the time was just normal. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's funny because uh, I'll get guests on the podcast and I'll tell them, yeah, we'll just have a talk like we used to back in the day. And then all of a sudden, all my friends forgot how to say the word fuck. And I'm like, wait a second, man, I've seen you. <laughs> but but everybody's like, no, we got to keep it calm. We got to stay relaxed. And I I get it, but I don't get it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, you know, it's uh, I, over the years, I've gotten good at feeling the guests out about what you can say in the airplane and what you can't and what you should and shouldn't. And uh, every once in a while, you'll still get surprised and get called out. And it's like, oh, whoops. Yeah, maybe right. I shouldn't have said that in front of a in front of a Mormon priest. Whoops. All right. Oh, the stuff that we used priest. to <laughs> the stuff that we used to do and say on the air on the airplanes on the ride to altitude, especially in Vegas, were just so over the top. Yeah, but Vegas was the wild place. You could kind of, you could usually get away with it for about 99% of the time in Vegas because, you know, it's, it was Sin City. Yeah. And, you know, at that time, it still wasn't a family place like it was, like it is quite so much today. Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was expected. <laughs> it was halfway, not only expected, it was halfway encouraged. 
Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I, think, I mean, if a uh, guest is telling some weird, gross, inappropriate joke, I'm sure I can. I'm sure I've got one that might be at least at least just as inappropriate. Yeah. So I remember <laughs> um, when I was working for Michael Hawks, uh, Simon Wade, who I'm sure you knew quite well as well, I was having a birthday. Yes. And yeah. so we got um, one of the, the girls that I worked at at the club uh, came up to strip for him at the drop zone during business hours, like had him pinned to the chair in the hangar, buck naked and going to town. And then we took her on a skydive. <laughs> Welcome to Vegas. Sounds, sounds, like a, sounds like a Vegas Wednesday. How many times would the girls, especially when the porn convention was in town, would girls and guys come out to the drop zone wanting to jump naked? I mean, that was normal. Yeah, that was that was fairly typical. That was very, very average. That was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and we usually we usually ask them to at least keep underwear on for the leg straps purposes, just for comfort. But uh, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, well, I remember if the I girls remember- were a little more well endowed we ask them to wear something just because the that thing in 120 mile an hour wind that hitting you in the face is going to be uncomfortable yeah 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 <laughs> absolutely well and i remember though that uh the the joke always was you'd tell the girls if they jump naked they could go for free but if the guys wanted to jump naked they paid double yeah yeah that's... that was that was always <laughs> the running joke so now you're in Chicago now. Are there any uh, uh, plans to take the wheels and, and uh, keep moving around, or are you staying there for a while? No, no, no. Uh, about three weeks, we'll be packing everything up, and we'll be heading south to Skydive Spaceland Dallas. Nice. Yeah, the big corporations of the Spacelands. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them, but they oh, yeah. can skydive to the corporation level, and it's pretty amazing. They've got a great student program and other things like that, and we, we get to park our place at the one they own in Dallas. Nice. Well, I mean, especially with something like Spaceland, but the, the corporate kind of skydiving, skydiving is so mainstream now, which is something I never thought was going to happen, at least not to the level it is. But they've proven that the whole mainstream corporate version works really well. Yeah, we only did part of our last winter down there and we're doing this next winter there. And yeah, it's uh, it's exactly what you said. The corporate version does seem to work where I never thought skydiving would evolve to what it was. Um, at least not to, to what Spaceland has taken it to and into a corporate mindset. Um, I thought it'd still be the individual mom and pops, you know, maybe at least exploding to more of them owning, uh, turbine drop stones. Um, but, uh, yeah, Spaceland has, has been done a great job of, of, of showing what can be done. Now, do you think the corporate version kind of, uh, um, gets away from the old bonfire type, uh, drop zone or does that still happen? It, it still happens, but it's, a, it's kind of a different mindset to it uh, where, you know, the bonfire was, was just wild and crazy stories of, you know, this is no shit that I was thought I was going to die <laughs> where now it's um, now it's a little more, well, no, it's probably still about the same exact thing. <laughs> As you think about it, you, to it, you know, even the corporate version, there's, they still, they still promote the uh, first jump beer rule. Um, and after the airplanes put away, the beer light comes on and, and the bonfires probably still the same. See, that's wonderful to hear because my fear anytime I hear a phrase like corporate skydiving is that they've taken everything or at least a lot of what I fell in love with with the sport and kind of tossed it out the window so that they can, you know, tick all the boxes and keep everything in the lines. But if it's still that mentality, once the, you know, the beer lights on, that's fucking amazing. No, it it, it is. It is there for sure. Awesome. Awesome. And so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, uh, is it uh, Dallas and, and uh, Chicago for right now? Uh, for right now, yes. Yes. Nice. Nice. Have you thought about um, trying to but, do anything abroad? 
Um, we went to France a couple of years back and picked up some uh, speed riding. If you're familiar with that, flying those high speed parachutes down the mountain with your skis on. Sure. Um, and we're planning on doing that again this winter. Uh, but as for traveling and trying to do too much abroad uh, for jump wise, it makes it difficult that we have pets and animals at home that we can't really be gone for too far. And, and trying to get the animals overseas is a little difficult. Uh, yeah. So, once, yeah. Yeah. Once once they go, this dump, I hate this cat. <laughs> once once they're out of the picture some things might change but we might pick up new animals and still just travel abroad for fun instead of instead of work well i mean that's one thing you have to say about the united states man you can pretty much find anything you want it's a big fucking place yes yeah and, yeah, yeah definitely and there's there's skydiving in all of the u.s now so it's not just yeah. a you gotta hunt to find one there's multiple drop zones everywhere you go anymore yeah, and your house is on wheels. It's you can hit lots of different drop zones in a couple of years, and it's it makes it you can, it does make it nice. We awesome. like to every couple of seasons move along to. No, I mean not burn bridges, but uh, just move around, move around for different, move on for different scenery and different people. Sure, keep the keep the vagabond and uh, gypsy lifestyle going. Well, and the cool thing too, especially if you're doing that lifestyle, is skydiving is still a small enough sport that once you have a positive reputation, there's nowhere you can't go. This is true. I mean, as soon as you're known as a, as a, a workhorse that's going to do things reliably, it's chances are it's one or two phone calls before you're hooked up and on your way, which is awesome. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. So right now, if they want to come jump with you, if they want to come do AFF with you or, or uh, strap themselves to you and get chucked out, they're going to stay in Chicagoland. But then in three or four weeks or so, you're going to be down Dallas way. Yep. Close to Dallas in a little town called White Wright, Texas. Um, you can check them out. Uh, if you want to check out any of the space lands, uh, they're all over the country and all over Texas, down into Florida. Um, right now, I'm currently up at Chicago Land Skydiving Center and having a blast. We close down in about three more weeks. So if you want to come here, you better hurry. Oh, dude, that's awesome. And I'll tell you what, man, I've, I'm going to tick off the second molar, brother, but I, I want the whole family. So you got to tell everybody. I got to talk to everyone. Jake as well. Everybody. I want to hear all the stories. I'll let you know. I'll let them know. Yeah, definitely. That would be fantastic. But dude, thank you so much for waking up with your morning coffee to fucking talk to me. Like I said, pre-podcast at 6 a.m. The only thing I'm good to say is fuck off. <laughs> hey, cheers, buddy. Cheers, man. See ya. See ya. And there you go. Another episode of Lunatic Fringe Into the Void in the Can brought to you as always by, that's right, NZ Aerosports. Fuck yeah. Brought to you by Summit Parachute Systems. Head to summitparachutesystems.com. You can check out the badass pilot rigs that Jarrett Martin and the family are cranking out over there, as well as the incredible rigging courses that Jarrett gives. As for me, I am the fucking pilot. Head to thefuckingpilot.net or theprincesspilot.com where you can find links to all the previous podcasts and both the books. We'll see you next time.